0: There. Okay, our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears the, these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and, it, and great was the fall of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sam. Well, it's been great to be able to um, be back from vacation and to unpack... Uh, a lot of the passages that we've been looking at, and yet at the same time, if you've been here or have been listening on the podcast, uh, you know that these have not been easy passages. Uh, we've been looking at what's called the Sermon on the Mount, it's a, a sermon that Jesus gave um, in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Matthew is the beginning of the New Testament. It's a book written there. And what's interesting about it is he begins this sermon with a lot of things about character and, and, and maybe topical in a sense. Uh, And he then moves into kind of our uh, righteousness and showing, you know, being showy about prayer, being showy about uh, the things we do and being careful not to be a hypocrite. But then he, in the last four weeks, this is being the fourth, he's really unpacked kind of some scary passages for us. He's kind of opened up some sermons and some places where we can actually think that we're in relationship to him and we're not at all. And that's pretty frightening. Uh, If you think about it, you know, when I was in college, um, many people had dogs. Uh, My roommates and I thought, let's not do that. Let's have a pig. So we had a pig. Sounds like a typical frat kind of thing, you know, have a pig in your house and that kind of thing. Well, this wasn't just like one of those pot belly pigs that people have at their show. This is like actual hog, you know. So my roommate goes, buys this hog, this thing, we build a little shed in the back and he's, you know, Pearl. She, Pearl is in the back, and I don't know if you've had a pig before. I don't know if many of you have, but um, they dig up the yard, and the whole yard was the most fertile yard in, in the place. It was in Waco, Texas. I went to uh, Baylor in Waco, Texas. Can you imagine in the middle of Waco, Texas is fertile, nice, in the middle of uh, right next to campus. And I, I remember being at home one day and hearing these strange sounds, and, and it was coming from underneath the house. And I went outside and. Pearl had somehow gotten underneath the house and I get down and I I look and Pearl is right under the bathroom. Now, our house was uh, later on uh, when I uh, realized it was torn down basically a year after I lived in it because if you looked under, the entire back bathroom was held up by a log. Someone had propped this log underneath it and this is why if you put a marble in our house, literally, it wouldn't stop rolling. Like, pshh and like find its way to some corner. It, Pearl had literally shown me one of the scariest things. She could have just knocked that log a little bit and that whole thing just went down and just stuff everywhere. I mean, it would have been awful. But it, isn't it interesting though that that's kind of what this passage is getting at. <clears throat> it's revealing what we really build on. And it really is interesting that Jesus over the last four weeks, as we looked at this, he begins by talking about the narrow gate, that the way of following Jesus is actually narrow. It's difficult, small. He then moves into prophets and talking about that these, there are prophets that will come and, and proclaim obedience, that this is how you follow Jesus, but it's, it's false. It's not the way to really follow him. And then thus, even after that, talking about our fruit. Do you see production in your life? Is there actual reality in what you see in your life that's connected to your relationship to, G- to Jesus. And then he finishes with this. He finishes his sermon with a parable saying, is your foundation really secure? Have you ever kinda gone down and looked into your heart to see if you really are connected to him? Because the storm here isn't just one of those storms that comes in life every so often. This is the final storm that reveals your foundation for what it is. It's actually somewhat frightening. It should make us say, do I really know? Have I really checked? Have I really looked down deep into my soul? As Augustine said, the house of my soul, to see what's there? Because here's what, and this is an interesting thing. Martin Luther, we're celebrating the the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. The Reformation was when Martin Luther, that Augustinian monk, actually pulled away from the Catholic Church years and years ago. And this is a celebration of not that so much, but of revitalizing of the Word of God following Jesus. And the first, he wrote 95 theses that he nailed to a door in Wittenberg. The first one, many of us may have heard before. The first one was that repentance is all of life, that we're supposed to repent. We're supposed to turn from bad and good things to Jesus. That's all of life. But have we ever actually stopped to read them or even the last ones? I want to read to you the last two theses that Martin Luther had on the 95 theses. He said this, 94, Christians should be exhorted to be diligent in following Christ their head through penalties, death, and hell. And thus, 95, be confident of entering into heaven through many tribulations rather than through the false security of peace. Did you hear that? That we actually are supposed to take in the weight of this passage, even the last three sermons, parts of this sermon, and this to say, do we really get it? Do you understand why Jesus is layering this over and over and over? And the power of that, what does that mean for us? How do we have a true peace, not a false one? And how do we know our foundation is sure? Sure. So we're going to look at two things. Marks of a faulty foundation and then marks of a true foundation. Simple. I think what Jesus lays out here in the parable is what we're going to be looking at. So what, is a, or what are marks of a faulty foundation? You know, he begins, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Then he goes down and he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. But if you go into... Both of the ways he describes the houses, they look exactly the same. There's this parallel of building. They look very similar and, and very um, done well. It's an interesting note here. That they look the same, but they don't have the same foundation. They've even been lived in. They've even been loved on. I mean, it's not hard to find. Like, Not only have cooking channels taken off, but building DIY channels have taken off. Housing network is huge. And, and because all of us are beginning to take more care in the places that we live. It's kind of odd even if you watch some of these channels, like the mini houses, the teeny tiny house shows, and then there's these big house shows, there's tree house shows. I mean, it's like houses everywhere, you know. But, but it's the point is that we actually care, that that. We want to build houses that fit and form to our longing and desire. In a tree, really small, on the beach, wherever it may be, we want to take good care of our house. Both of these houses, these people took care of. They actually wanted to to, to care for what they were doing. That is a really good thought of what they were doing. Jesus is laying it out. He wants us to see, can you really see the difference when you're looking up front? When you're going by the house, can you actually tell what's different about it? Actually, both built with great material, both built with great things on it. There are other parables that connect to this one that talk about even the materials being used are excellent material. But what shapes it? Look, it's interesting that we can look at this. It's the foundation, right? We can be very lazy in our building. We can build and build and build and maybe not even realize what we're building upon. See, a parable itself and what Jesus is doing, if you read parables, a hint of understanding them is they always have one point. There's always one point to a parable driving home, and what's the one difference is the foundation. But the pro- problem here is, is we can be build, bu- eh, busy building so much that we don't even stop to think about what's the difference in our home and homes around us. Do we know what's underneath? Do we know what's there? Look, think about it this way. We can be busy having, and, and the Bible doesn't ever even mention this, having quiet times. If you realize the Bible never uses those kind of phrases, We've, we can create atmospheres where we find ourselves doing a regular routine of a quiet time and maybe never even leaving that knowing God more, but just knowing that we've done it. Prayer could be an easy place for us to pray only when needed, but not really in relationship to someone who is actually a person. Not just someone that may be, using the language, contracting out to us. It's easy to use God and Jesus in a cost-benefit relationship to see and and approach him to say, I need this house to look better. I need to better myself. It is easy for us to be good people without being new, real people. Jesus is wanting us to get underneath it. You can look spiritually good without being spiritually right. Have you ever moved into a place and you've had one of those uh, total inspections where they go in? It's interesting what they can find. Little things. A good inspector is gonna kind of drive you crazy a little bit because you're gonna see things that you never saw before. Are you seeing things? Or is it a little bit kind of like, uh, this, you know, maybe I'm connected to God just because I have these things in my life. Is that what it is? Is there a building of a false structure for yourself that you think will hold, but it doesn't? Look, we can talk about things like that. We can talk about social justice that the the Lord calls us to do in our environment. We can put forward a cause, but if there's no foundation for that cause, then it will not stand, Now, I'm not saying there's not good, relative good we can do, but what I'm saying is, if we're putting our whole house, if we're building our identity on top of that, we will be left wanting. And it doesn't mean the house isn't worth it, but it does mean, where are you beginning? We have to ask that question. Francis Schaeffer, who is a great uh, theologian and apologist, meaning he defended the Bible and the scriptures, he said this well about modern man. He said, modern man has his feet firmly planted in midair. Do we actually have our feet on something solid? The Bible uses this language a lot of, of someone walking down a path and their foot slipping. But what does it mean to have your foot sure and steady? What does it mean to be on the path and have your feet stand firm? Not in midair. And do you know that? I think a lot of it is that we create, and here's the biggest mark of that. I think we utilize and we see our relationship and our avenues of that to God as luxuries rather than necessities. Oftentimes we talk about things like reading the Bible prayer, going to the the communion table. These are means of grace. We've talked about this before some. But what that means is, is that it's an avenue in which your relationship with God continues to grow. It's not an end in of itself. But oftentimes we treat reading the Bible prayer, those things as luxuries, not necessities, because, and they fall away, and we know this. Like, this isn't a shaming thing. This is the thing that, why is it so hard for me to spend time with God, It's because we've treated often those things as ways to make us feel better rather than seeing them as time spent with someone. And maybe many of you in this room are doing that. Maybe you're doing those things well. Maybe you find yourself checking the boxes. But over and over, we need to be reminded that these are means by which we get to know Jesus more. We know him deeper in that way. The question is, do you depend on the house or the foundation more? Our house was a part of, uh, before we moved into it in the 2010 flood, was a part of that. There's literally a river flowing through our neighborhood at one point. So when we purchased our home, we had to be aware of the the, uh, floodplain disaster, hoping that this, you know, as people say, it's a 500-year flood. We hope that that's true. I don't, I think people just say that just so they can feel better. But I hope that when it rain, every time it rains, it makes me go, oh gosh, what's going to happen to our house? You know, I don't think of it right away, but then if the, the other weeks during this last uh, month, when it was raining over and over and over, I kept thinking, I think we're okay, right? I think we're okay, right? I kept kind of trying to reassure myself that, oh, 500-year flood, you know, like, Oh, Titan Stadium was a swimming pool. That's like one, you know, once in a lifetime. You know, that kind of stuff, the images we saw. But isn't that how we handle it? Isn't that how we handle things? Would that make, if you were in relationship with someone and you treated them in that way, uh, would that feel good to you? Would you be in relationship long? If you were to neglect the fact that you're in a friendship or a marriage or with your children in any way, treating them kind of uh, just d- dismiss, dismiss. You see these things that may reveal, maybe it's kind of like, oh, yeah, but you just kind of blow it. What, what would that be like to you? Wouldn't that feel horrible? How much more should we approach the Lord Jesus when he's talking about this This isn't so much about just random things in your life. This is about your relationship to him. And he's saying, you better check the foundation. Stop trying to build and feel better about the windows and the roof and the paint and the ways that you can put the the internal workings together so beautifully. You mapped it out. Maybe you need a renovation inside. No, 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 no. Maybe we need to stop and see what we're really drilling down into. Because the storm is coming, he says. And that's the second, that's the, the, the other mark here is that the storm comes against both houses. It's not like one house misses it and the other, but the storm reveals it. To build a house or building in ancient time was really actually a tedious and very difficult thing. In the summer months is when you would basically build, and because of the dry, warm days, that was the best time to build, but because of the bronze clay, it would be easy as people were digging down in ancient Near East to actually stop and feel as though the clay was hard enough, and so they would actually stop at certain points. And this is where Jesus is coming at. He's saying, you've got to keep going before you start going up. You don't just stop just because the ground feels firm because what would happen is when the rain would come, it says even, as I was reading an Arabic commentator on this, the the rain would create this mudslide and it would just begin to erode all around that. And if you didn't go far enough, it just took everything right with it. What felt hard, like that hard clay, became nothing but mud. In fact, the commentator who wrote about this said this, He said, every Christian knows that building a house is not an easy endeavor, rather involves an exhausting and frightening effort, strenuous hardships, along with continuous life-threatening struggles. You know what really reveals our foundation is our suffering. In this life now, when you hit suffering, when you hit things that are trials and tribulations, what do you do with it? What does it reveal about your character? does it harden you? Does it make you want to build better? I mean, isn't that what we oftentimes do to make our lives more comfortable? What a great illustration. We want to build another, oh, well, I'm hitting suffering and trials in my life. If I just built another wing of my house where I could just go and be secure, isn't that how we think? But don't trials and tribulations reveal what's really there? Shouldn't it drive us down to say, Gosh, when we hear it raining, when we know it coming, like I have to at my house, instead of saying, I think I'm okay sitting in my chair, can't, shouldn't I be thinking our house is steady and secure because it's drilled down deep? Both houses receive the suffering. Both receive that. But what are, what are those platforms that you use? I, I have so many faulty platforms that I find myself easily when suffering hits, it goes, are you sure you wanna you want put all your weight on that? What are the platforms for you that if they were knocked out, if your foundation was knocked out, it would reveal everything? What is it, your health? Your job? The culture here? Your friendships? What is it that if it was taken away from you, that you would find yourself totally amidst the flood without any steady ground to stand on, what would you do? I find it very fascinating that Jesus uses this parable to describe to us what is faulty and what is good. Because here's the scary thing. It may take, many of us are really good at bolstering new parts onto our house. But what I I think we need to be warned about is it may take, and many of us may not have been through this, it may take a major catastrophe in your life to reveal that you need a real foundation. It may take that. And are we willing to say, God, if you're to do that, would you make my foot sure on you? Would we be willing to even, and this is even hard, please take it from me, this is hard for me to even say, would we be willing to say, God, would you be willing to send storms graciously so that I would know my foundation better? I hate even saying that. Would you graciously show me that? to reveal the marks of a faulty foundation. Jesus uses a parable to say that's faulty, but he talks about having a sure foundation, and this is the questions I want us to ask. Why? Why do we need that? What does it mean for you to have a healthy foundation? And why? Why listen to Jesus? Because you read this and you think, well, here's these words of mine he'll be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. I mean, does it, does it sound kind of like rules to you? Uh, the question is this too. I mean, are, is it hard for you to think about this and go obedience is really important to Jesus? Is he saying you'll be saved by your obedience? No. Having a healthy foundation does not mean that you're saved by how well you drill down into the rock. It's healthy because you're on the rock. And then you can build up. See how often, that is the most simple illustration, but can I just say to us, how often do we switch that? We kind of say, yeah, 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 I'm on the rock, so I can kind of build however I want. I can kind of make this, I like this kind of style, I'd rather do this. When Jesus says here, who builds, who hears these words of mine and does them. He's saying having a healthy foundation means you have the freedom now to live on me. I am your foundation, but to build up listening to how the best way to build a house is. The best angles, the most beautiful curvature, the greatest wood you can get your hands on, a roof that is always steady and never bows. He is saying this is the way to do it. This is how you need it. and This is what it takes. And, and, and that's hard for us because it's easy to say, I like being on the rock, but I don't like him telling me all these rules. But can I just say to you, if you're here today, and maybe you're not even a Christian, maybe, maybe you would say, you know, this whole Jesus thing, I'm, I'm, I, it's fine, I really kind of like this parable, it's, it's, it's a cool, helpful thing. But why, why do I need to follow his rules If I kind of feel like I'm doing okay, because here's the point we're all following a set of rules. Jesus is trying to say, everywhere you go, you are following a set of rules. You're either trying to build a structure according to what you think is best, or you can learn, and this is why it's a parable, because wisdom is about this one thing. Wisdom, why he calls it wise builder, is saying, This is how the world was made. I need to conform to the Creator. Foolishness, by definition, looking in here, is saying, uh, I'm gonna take the world and conform it to me. If you study the Proverbs that are the definition of wisdom and foolishness, that is the definition. Wisdom is saying, I'm gonna conform to God's truth because that is what's stable. Foolishness is trying to conform all of it to me. And that's why the parable because that's the point here. Wouldn't you rather in the life, in your life, to say these rules that I have set for myself, things that I think are, I'm supposed to follow, being the perfect Christian woman, being the perfect Christian man, being good. Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying you're to be broken and humbled and follow him. That's what he's saying. He's saying, turn back, look at what I've just preached on, and see it for yourself. Wouldn't you rather take on the rules of someone who actually gives mercy? Because isn't it true that our rules that we set for ourselves, our building plans are far less merciful than Jesus' building plans? Is that not why you feel so much shame? If you feel shame for not doing a quiet time or shame for being in church and you remain in that, you might wanna ask the question, do I really understand the building plans or am I creating a world for myself? Jesus rules his building plans for you cheesy verse that many people may have used before is so true that God has a plan for your life. That's not just something to be etched on a pillow. That actually means he cares about you and your structure internally and externally. The house is both internal and external. He is going for the whole of you. And he does so By his work. And this is relayed actually years before in a chapter in Isaiah, a prophet who brought this out. To answer this question, why in the world should we listen to him? Why? Shouldn't we ask that? Why, why Jesus, should I listen to your words? That's really kind of what he's saying. He hears these words of mine. Okay, Jesus, why? Listen to this. In Isaiah chapter 28, it was a, a year 700 years prior to what we're reading now. And Israel was on the cusp of being taken over by a, a massive, massive country called Assyria. They were gonna dominate them completely. And they, Israel decided, we're gonna build our relationship with this other country. We're gonna look for our security in other places. Listen to what was told long before Jesus gave this parable. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol. We have made an agreement with the overwhelming whip passes through. It will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood, we have taken shelter. That's their saying, we have created this false narrative, this false plan Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid a, what, foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. You need to know something about this passage. This passage, like I said, 700 years before Jesus ever spoke these words on that mountainside. Why in the world would Jesus take the time to finish his entire sermon that way? Because he's connecting it to that language, that language that says this. Listen to this. A stone, a tested stone, meaning a stone who has had all sorts of things come against it a precious cornerstone one that is of high value of a sure foundation do you all know why jesus actually was crucified he was crucified because <clears throat> he said to the pharisees and scribes and the people that wanted the religious leaders you know this temple i'm going to tear it down and build it i'm going to build it back in 3 days and they thought are you a are you crazy how can you do that as a builder B, they thought he's blasphemous. Why in the world would you tear it down? You know why he said that? He said, because I am the temple, he said. He is the building. He is the foundation. He is the one where it's laid. This table is set in this building and in this place, even though this is what we would call a steady structure. The foundation of us coming to this table in this building is because it's Jesus himself. That stone, that tested stone, that precious stone, that cornerstone of a sure foundation is not of a thing, it is a person. 700 years before it, he would come, Isaiah said, I'm, here it comes. God said, I will send this stone. That is the stone that we come forward and stand on as we take this table as we come and take the body and blood of Jesus, it's because he's a tested stone. This is not your body and blood. He is a precious stone. It is knowledge, it's close intimacy, and he is a sure foundation. If you're here this morning and you would say, yes, I follow Jesus, this table is for you. This table is for you to come forward and say, it's not because I'm doing this that makes me a Christian, a follower of Jesus. It's because I have Jesus, because I have, my foot will not slip that I can take this with joy. I can live out. I can turn back in the pages of the Sermon on the Mount from five through seven and read about every line and say, I'm going to follow you because of what you've done in me and through me and continue to. And if you're here this morning and maybe you're finding yourself saying, I don't know. I don't know what kind of foundation I have. I'd ask for you to to either remain in your seat or come forward and fold your hands and receive prayer. Join us at the front and receive prayer. Grab me afterwards. Let's talk about this. It's It's not wrong to do so. Think through it. Contemplate. Because isn't that what building a house is? Wisdom is a path, not a doorway. It's not something you just walk through. It's something you learn and you walk down.